This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Will Mavity's interviews with the stars from Pixar's Elemental, Leah Lewis and Mamadou Ati, director Peter Sohn and producer Denise Reem, followed by my interview with the film's composer, Thomas Newman. Meet the residents of Element City. Air usually has their head in the clouds. Oh, my new jacket! Earth can be a little seedy. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing weird going on here. Uh, Just a little pruning. Water is always getting into something. (laughs) Help! And fire? As ordered, we run a little hot. Hey. Hi. (laughs) Good to talk to you both. Likewise. On that note. Um, Okay, so... You guys worked in this film for, I think, two years, right? Yeah. Yes. And a lot of it was during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. so I assume you're doing voice work remotely? Yes. I mean, I did voiceover work in Los Angeles. I did some in Florida, Mm -hmm. and I also did some in Vancouver, British Columbia. The pandemic was terrible for so many things, but also amazing in the way that we were able to do it from different places as well. Or even in your closet, in your pajamas if you wanted to. What? Not this project specifically, but voiceover in general. (laughs) I was gonna say, so there's, uh, you know, we're gonna know that half of Elemental was done. The way she looked at you, I'm assuming you did this whole No, I'm not telling you a story. (laughs) I just don't have the technology. Like an iPhone in my closet. (laughs) Right, sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I guess I, I was in a couple of different cities as well. I remember being in New Orleans uh, recording this as well. Um, yeah, I... Wow, what a... I can't believe this. It's been two years. Yeah. Well, so, what was it like when you kind of finally both got to see your characters come alive on screen? Because I assume a lot of it, you know, you, you weren't in the studio to see it unfolding as you no. provided your voice work. So. They, they showed very little... Um, in the creating of, the, or at least our part of, uh, you know, uh, adding our voices to the movie. And I'm so glad that we waited to see. We got a snippet at D23, and I was like, oh, this is going to be something unlike, I, like, I've never seen anything like this. And we got to see the movie finally, like, well, a couple months ago? Like, two months ago, maybe? Maybe, yeah, two months ago. Yeah. I mean, it's wild because we've seen little drawings, and I think even in, just in my case, I can't speak for Mamadou, but anytime I wouldn't be able to get a scene, then Peter would be like, okay, this is what's happening, okay, now don't look. And what uh, a big reveal. He's so good. It was so emotional, and it's like, 
you know, as the teasers came out, as the trailer came out, I was like, okay, 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 I want to see more. Because, you know, you do your job as an actor, a voice actor, and that's all you get. But I'm like, I got to see his performance. I got to see the animator's performance. I got to see everything else that was a part of this film that I had no idea would be a part of this film, you know? I think it's probably going to be interesting. We're finally entering an era where the leads of Pixar movies are kind of the first generation that mm. all their formative years... Mm-hmm. They were growing up with Pixar as Pixar grew up. So, what was it like? Oh, uh, yeah, wow. You know, That's a good point. Line, yeah. Finding yourself finally as a Pixar main character, I assume, as someone who grew up with those movies the way the studio did. Yeah. That's it's a so cool, really cool point that you bring up because I don't know if people who were doing Toy Story were like, yeah, this is going to be yeah, exactly. iconic. <laughs> right. But I, I'm kind of grateful for the legacy beforehand because I, you know, this has shaped my childhood, my teenhood, adulthood. And to know that I get to be a part of that, like for other people. I mean, even being a part of this film, if I wasn't, this film would have changed my life because of the messages that it has. Yeah, I, I'm just like kind of sitting with what, like the reality. You know, it's it's been two years, and you know we've, we've been working on it. We've been getting to know some of these people in a, in a way that's been really special. But like the reality of like you know the the history of it, it's really like. Um, it's humbling because it's like they they make some of my favorite movies, like favorite movies, yeah. regardless of genre or whatever, like up top of the list. And they're so moving and they're so good. And this one I feel so strongly about, like so strongly to be like so proud of a movie, like in the way I've never felt this way about a movie before. Oh, so it's really it's really cool. And just I just get reminded every once in a while. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you imagine that the fire dish tasted like? <gasps> it looks good to me. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Wait, okay, so they have these things with the elemental pop-up experience, and they have these little colnut kits. I just made a colnut kit last night with my best friend. How is it? Where's mine? It's pretty. You need pop one, remember? Well, no. I don't, I'm not one? cooking anything. <laughs> no, like, it was so cute, because all you had to do was like mash up Oreos and like yeah. put a bunch of stuff on it. Uh-huh. It was very <laughs> sweet. Oh, okay. I think like... Maybe eating that at 10 p.m., not the move. Oh, but it yeah. was like, Aww. it looked just like cold nuts. And they were, it was actually really, really good. Do like, you have any left over? No. Yeah, she's going to so be like, sorry. oh, yeah, I actually I'm do like, yes, yeah, so we have some cold nuts over here? No, but I think you'd like it. Are you a sweet lover? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Super sweet, super chocolatey, super cold nutty. You just ate it all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my friend ate a lot of it, too. <laughs> But I did eat a lot. It sounds cool. But you know, this is a great marketing pitch for all that, too. They're going to have to start selling cold nuts. Check out your cold nuts. I'm so yeah. mad. I'm right. so mad. Guys, I, I think unfortunately we're out of time. But uh, wonderful film in general. And I can't wait for everyone else to see it. I think it is going to speak to a lot of people the way it has to both of you. And thank you for helping bring this to the world. So Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate of course. This shop is dream of our family. Someday it'll all be yours. But we all live by one simple rule. Enemies cannot mix. Uh, uh, Pipe squished me all out of shape. Dang. That's better. Oh. So you've never left Firetown? Sorry, buddy. Elements don't mix. Hey! Plus, my dad would boil you alive. Why does anyone get to tell you what you can do in your life? Come on! Why do they even have these? Eh, who knows. I'm Will Mavity with nextbestpicture.com. Well, 
to meet you. Nice to meet you both. Thanks for being here. Okay, so I, I think the first big question is, it's pretty cool that this is a project that you both got to develop, I think, for seven years from the ground up. Mm -hmm. yes. You compare that to something like The Good Dinosaur, where yeah. you were kind of brought in to a project that had been being developed for some time. So yeah. tell me a little bit about truly shepherding a project from the ground up like this. Um, it's It's been a, an emotional journey uh, uh, from the beginning of this. You know, after finishing Dino, which took about 18 plus months or something mm -hmm. like that from start to finish, this took a lot, much longer, um, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, the, the, the difference was that this started from a personal place. This wasn't a movie that like, I just straight pitched. I, I, it came from an experience that I had with my parents uh, in New York. I, I, I had this moment to thank them in this audience, and uh, uh, what I was thanking them about what, you know, was this idea that they had given up so much. They had given these lives. They had no money. They came to this country to build my brother and I a home. And uh, I, I, I really didn't understand it when I was a kid. But the older I got, the more I really began to appreciate it more and more until I'm just this crying puddle, you know, just love from my parents. And uh, that was essentially the start of this thing. So I pitched this, to, uh, you know, or I had told that story to friends here. And they're like, that's your movie. And that's, it's just been this long journey getting that going. I keep joking that I feel like I just am delivering a, my PhD dissertation. Because I did three movies in less than 10 years, and then, and then this one in, in seven. So mm. that, uh, we, we've lived a lot of life, and then went through a pandemic. So it's been a cra kind of a crazy time. Well, that kind of leads into my next question, which was, it sounds like a lot of this project was the result of people having to collaborate remotely, mm -hmm. a lot of work being done in someone's individual house. So mm -hmm. tell me how that process was different. Yeah, it, you know, I don't think we, we realized how difficult it was until we finally were able to come back. And, uh, you know, we kind of, you were, feel like you were working with one hand behind your back and everything was intentional. Like, you couldn't just have the, you know, casual conversation. So I think that ended up being more fatiguing than I realized. but. But it speaks to sort of like the spirit of, of the studio. I mean, I keep also thinking, or I'm grateful that we got to continue working on the movie, you know, and that speaks to just the, the, the smart, resourceful people that we work with every day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ironically, the film is about making a connection. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. like, we couldn't, for a big production of this, was really a tough thing. Um, but the reach to even want to connect, that's the whole game. Like, if you don't even care about making the connection, this film is just, you know, let's just, just throw it away now. But uh, so much of the artists here really were trying to make that connection. And by the time we did get back, all those connection, connections were like firing, you know, like a well-oiled machine again. And uh, um, um, that humanity sort of came back, you yeah. know? But it was also like a, this weirdly intimate experience, too, because you're in everyone's homes, you know? So you see kids coming in. So we also got different exposure to our... our the lives we all live because we're working we're seen into people's homes so you know whenever i read behind the scenes articles about vfx work in films yeah. animators love to talk about like the two hardest things to design and animate are fire and water yeah and then you decided to do a <laughs> film that's centered around those two notoriously hard things to create yeah. so tell me a, a little bit about creating characters that are made of the most difficult possible elements to animate that is a great question. You know, when I first started, drew these ideas at first, even drawing them were, are not the easiest thing. 
But I thought, like with the with you know Steve Jobs, the way this was started, it was like art and tech mix. I like I for, 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 you know felt like there was some answer with technology, um, but it became so much harder because controlling fire was the game. Uh, yeah. Like to your to your to, to all those VFX magazines that I also read, that like you know uh, where do you turn it on? But here it was the balance of something real and something caricatured, and try because we were putting faces on them. Like when we first turned it on. Ember herself was so terrifying with this realistic fire. She looked like, you know, like like a like a horror film, you know. And uh, but using the, the artist to try to find that graphic balance gave us one leg up. But then it was still about controlling fire, you know. And uh, so there was new tech that I never envisioned. I had no idea that it yeah. would be this difficult to do. Same here. And but she wasn't even the hardest thing. Like even as hard as she was, Wade was even more difficult. Yeah. Like he he was a monster. Man, I can't tell you. Like every shot that he's in. He's different because of the lighting of him, because he's reflecting and refracting everything. When he's in a basement, he disappears. When he was on the rooftop, he was just this gigantic white, overexposed thing, you know, and uh, he was really difficult. Even after getting through the movie, it still remains hard. Difficult, yeah. right? Fire and water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then got about time for one more question. Okay. So um, tell me about kind of getting to experience Cannes, because I think it's really cool that you got to have oh, yeah. a reveal to the world this festival it was so yeah. overwhelming it was uh it was surreal and it was uh it was emotional too because yeah. seeing finally getting to see the movie kind of outside of pixar was incredible and just being at a place that loved loved cinema was just remarkable yeah there was something about judgment yeah that was really interesting for me because uh, um it's a festival that has a jury that picks films and uh, um, the fact that they picked our film um, not only gave us pride, but I also was moved by it for some mm -hmm. reason. Uh, I know, you know, Pete Doctor had three of his films get accepted into Cannes, um, but for us, it's just not anything we ever thought that would be possible or, or something like that that would even accept, you know, um, 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 the heart of this thing. And uh, they did. and so. It was, yeah, it was very moving. You know, I, I fought a whole life trying to belong in places as a minority, and so to he feel like a jury was just like, oh, we, we, we want this film to be a part of this um, selection of films. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget it. I kept, my grandfather was in the film business, and I just kept thinking about how proud he would have been. Oh, he, yeah. he came to mind many times yeah. throughout those few days. Well, you should both be very proud. It's it's a beautiful production, and I can't wait for more people to see it. So thank you thank so you. much. That thank means you. a great deal. Yeah, it really and does. Thank you for bringing us to all this. So thank, thank you. Ember, I see a change in you. What hair guy? You live here? It's my mom's place. We got two kids that are swimming around here somewhere. trying to fill my father's shoes, but I never once asked what I wanted to do. Try this! Dad, those are too hot. I love hot food.
of all, I need to pinch myself right now. I'm listening to the man who's given me the soundtrack to my life <laughs> since I was a wee little kid. Oh, man. Uh, Thomas, what does that make me, is, by the way? <laughs> this is such a pleasure for me. Uh, like, seriously, I first of all, just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you. Thank oh. you. Thank you for so many classic scores over the years. Um, oh, thank you. So. Yeah, I do want to first start off by asking. Um, you seem to be one of the few composers that still favors live orchestration utilizing actual strings and music that doesn't necessarily get created specifically within a computer although you do mix elements of that into your scores as well uh can you just tell me just a little bit about you know just seeing as how you've gone through a couple of decades in this industry uh the changes that you see in composing music today and how you apply both classical and new techniques to your score for Elemental. Well, it really has changed, hasn't it, in terms of computers, reliable computers, I guess, begin in the mid-2000s or something, um, and, and everything kind of stabilizes, and I think it makes music available to anyone, um, you know, whether you're trained in music or not, and, and not that I think you have to be trained, because I think the great thing about computers and, and, and synthesizers is it really allows... Um, you know, imaginative results, uh, no matter who you are, no matter how trained you are. Um, and I think also resources have, for the most part, I think there's just less of them. So people, I think, rely more on sample libraries and things like that. Um, so I, I start, you know, in the early to mid 80s uh, when synthesizers and sequences are just beginning. And, I, and I, I'm trained classically, uh, but, you know, uh, not that I feel like I was amazing. Uh, but I find my, find myself interested in these this new technology, and, and I find that I I think I have a, a talent at, at sequencing, uh, and those are my opportunities to begin with. You know, I just you know I was kind of a synth guy, quote unquote, in the '80s, and did a lot of teen comedies and things, and no one was really hiring me to do orchestral scores. And then by, by around '91, I worked with uh, Robert Altman on a movie called The Player, and I was able to use a small amount of orchestra, and it was a Hollywood movie i was able to kind of write a big hollywood finish um and then a couple of movies came after that that i was able to start you know utilizing uh strings um and colors uh, 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 orchestral colors as uh, and and kind of mix them with uh stuff that i had done in in my own studio um and a big challenge at the beginning was how do those two things mix if you have a a live orchestra uh, you know with a left center right microphone in a kind of proscenium setting um, how do you put, you know, uh, uh, other elements of, of electronic elements in? And I think I started dealing with those issues in the early 90s. And it was very satisfying to think, how does a orchestral color empty into an electronic color? Uh, and I was always, you know, more than anything, just wanting to get a pleasure out of my ears. And, you know, kind of more experience led to more experimentation in terms of how much I could do any of those things. And, and I end up, you know, over you know, a lot of time, kind of the, the composer that I am. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And you're always producing melodies that 
they stand out to me so, so much compared to a lot of what I hear today and specifically on the score for elemental you know you've used the sitar in recent scores uh best exotic marigold hotel victorian abdul uh can you tell me a little bit about its utilization here with the score for elemental and also too what other instruments you turn to to give this a very universal cultural sound right i mean which was a a, a big kind of what what do i do an imaginary world kind of parallel to our world uh with similar issues but utterly imagine, uh, imagined uh, and Im- implied cultures. But, you know, obviously uh, I, I just had to uh, just start trying colors and, and uh, you know, working with, with my small group of players to just see what colors worked and to ultimately ask myself why. Uh, and then and then after that, put them in front of Pete Sohn's ears, the directors, uh, and see what he thought. Did this did this say too much? Uh, did it say too little? Did it imply something culturally without pointing and, and without being offensive? Um, and, you know, bit by bit, we we kind of found language, you know, uh, metal patterns, uh, drum patterns, vocal patterns and chatters and solo voices uh, and and just started seeing what worked, which is typically how I. I do work is, is, you know, what I guess I would call allowable vocabulary. What what vocab musical vocabulary do you hear in a movie that your ear says, I, I buy this? I, it doesn't feel foreign to the movie. Um, it, it makes sense. I'm involved. I'm not scratching my head. I mean, meaning the listener viewer. Um, and that's typically how I want to work is, is I want to I want to be reacting to what I'm seeing and hearing as opposed to, you know, putting forth musical ideas. I want musical ideas to come at me. Yeah. You mentioned the voice before. I, I love some of the vocals that are performed on this score. It really helps to give such a soothing quality to the music. Can you uh, tell me just a little bit about gathering those talented artists together, recording that, and how you all came up with uh, some of the melodies that you found? Uh, the players I work with, uh, one of the players named Steve Tavaloni, uh, plays an iwi, which is an electronic wind instrument. So much of what you're hearing vocally is, is processed vocal played through a controller, a breath controller device. Um, I've worked with Steve for since maybe 1991 or something. And, um, he's a, he's an amazing sound designer. He's also an amazing player and a programmer. And so when I would get together with him, we he would have some of these sounds and we'd say, whoa, this is great. Let's let's here's here's something. Let's put that over. And and we'd like it or not like it. We'd like phrases. We would, again, in a very kind of improvisatory way and in a very loose, informal environment, try to make some of this stuff rise up um, and uh, and then try to capture it. Butterfly and edit is kind of what I find myself saying. You know, how do I how do I capture these whimsical and informal uh, musical ideas coming at me and say, wow, what if that went there? And, mm-hmm. you know, and then sharing them with Pete and seeing where yeah. we went next. That's really cool. So you've done movies with Pixar before, obviously. I believe this is your fourth uh, yeah. title that you've done with them. So did they call you specifically because they know that you're reliable and have had success with them in the past? Like, how did you come aboard the project this time around? I was up visiting. Uh, I went up with my agent, Mike Gorfain. Uh, we, we wanted just to say hi. So we went up to, to, to see some of our friends at Pixar and, and, and um, Jim Morris, who's head, head of uh, uh, Pixar, said he would love me to meet Pete Sohn and Pete wanted to uh, pitch to me. And so uh, we went into one of their theaters and, and Pete pitched Elemental and it was like, wow, this sounds fantastic. It looks fantastic and signed on kind of immediately. 
what, what what did the pitch sound like? Did he describe like his personal story, uh, like, and what resonated with you in regards to that? Uh, that was part of it. You know, this notion of what does it mean to, to have elements? He, was, he, I think, he was saying that it was like an apartment building, and and this and that, and this notion of otherness. Uh, he 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 is uh, Korean American. He s- said it made him feel, in many ways, not neither Korean nor American. So what did that mean? And these were issues that he kind of wanted to explore. What was it like to be? Uh, an element of fire living across the river in Firetown and coming over on, I guess they call it the Wetro, uh, yeah. to, the, to the big city where mostly water people lived. Um, so that was part of his pitch, telling us the story. There was also kind of a show and tell where I see how these characters, it, a lot of times in Pixar presentations, they'll show you movement of characters, and which is always great. You just see this amazing artwork and, um, and you know, maybe... 30, 40 minute pitch. Um, and then it was like, wow, you know, kind of take the draw off the floor and put it back up and say, wow, this is sounds great. So every time you pop your head in there now, it's just to say hi, you know, you're probably walking out. With well, a job, no, it's because <laughs> we had done um, I worked on Finding Dory in, in 2015. So that was yeah. you know, six, seven years ago. And I think, you know, we've had such lovely relationships with folks at, at Pixar. We I just wanted to say hi. We really was very an earnest wish to, to reconnect, um, which turned, kind of turned into this. Yeah, no, that that's great. Um, there's a, a prominent song that plays throughout uh, this movie, uh, both in Wade and Ember's first date and then through the end credits called Steal the Show. Can you talk a little bit about working with uh, Lav? Am I, am I saying Lauv, that correctly? Yeah. Lav, yes. And just what went into the creation of that song? Uh, yeah, uh, he was signed on to do it. Um, I we met over the internet or you know in, in Zoom environments, and 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 um, we I think made uh, arrangements to get together at a certain time. And in the meantime, I had put together several different ideas that I thought might be a, a good starting point for for uh, him. Uh, came over and played these ideas, and he kind of got attached to one, uh, and. Uh, we talked a little bit about it and he said, do you mind leaving me alone for an hour? He was you know, very, very fluid in his work environment. And we literally went downstairs and sat around on a sofa and 45 minutes or so later, he said, come on up and take a listen to what I've done. And he was well on his way to, to structuring something with melody. And we kind of went from there and we worked over a two day period. And, um, and then afterwards we kind of kept going remotely and, you know, lo and behold, there was a moment where you know he and, and a collaborator of his wrote lyrics, and a, a moment he sent it over. Here, here's the song, um, and it was lovely. It was lovely. I can't help but just keep thinking to myself. I, I listen to the score for Shawshank all the time. 1917 has become a new rotation for me. Road to Perdition, <laughs> I think, is like one of the best pieces of music I've ever heard. Period. Uh, well, thank you. Um, I'm curious to know what do you listen to in your spare time? You know. Not much. I I, I I talk to this to people a lot, like, you know, what the, what is this notion of being a listener? Um, but I, I find that listening to music puts me in a doing place. I want to do more than listen. It makes me just want to create. And I, I sometimes feel selfish saying so because music really is so communicative. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not listening to as much as I should. How's that for a sly answer? <laughs> Hey, you know what? Most of the people I talk to, it's usually the exact same answer, no matter what department of the filmmaking process they work in. They're just so either focused on the job that they're working on or thinking about the next thing. So I totally get it. And specifically when it comes to working on Elemental, what unique challenges did you encounter 
when trying to create the score uh, for this film? I know you mentioned before, you know, trying to avoid stereotyping through the cultural uh, aspects of the score. But was there anything else on this that uh, just was a unique experience for you along the way? Um, You know, the way the beginning unfolds was was very, um, very interesting because it's it's a mom and dad coming over. Mom and dad going through, you know, immigration, um, you know, doors slamming when they try to rent homes, finding a home. Uh, the elemental comes up uh, and now the baby is born and mm-hmm. we're moving through uh, uh, a montage of, of Ember kind of growing from a baby to helping at the store. So this notion of how do you how do you keep that interesting and how do you let the audience know that we're still moving forward to the start of our story? Uh, which I guess is when, you know, she finally blows up. Uh, uh, it gets angry when she's behind uh, the cash register. Uh, so the the rhythm and pace of how all that, that took place um, was was a, ch- a challenging was a challenging beginning. And, and I don't mean challenging because it was wonderful. But what was pace um, and, and, and how far did it go to, to say we're now in our present tense story? Because mm-hmm. there's so much time that passes from the opening image to, to that. So I have to ask this question because we're an awards website. 15 <laughs> Academy Award nominations. What goes through your mind when you hear that statement? Because I know for myself and many others, when we hear that, we're like, Get this man his due already. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard that for years. I've heard, oh, this is going to be your year for years. So I, I try to just kind of grateful, obviously, to be recognized. Um, but in the end, I think for me, I, I, I want to kind of just enjoy the music making and and be be grateful that I have opportunities. And if if getting nominations helps me get more opportunities, then that's that's good. That's a, a non-answer, but that's a that's about the best as no, I can. No, Totally fair. Do you still get enjoyment out of going to the show when you're nominated? Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, 15 times. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. hey, listen, more to come because the work is honestly, I mean, I don't know. I, I could I could toss out every adjective that I know possibly in the book. It wouldn't measure up to your contributions uh, to our ears and just to cinema in general. So, um, Thomas, I once again just can't thank you enough for not just for this score, which I really, really loved and adored, but also to just the whole body of work and everything that you've done. Yeah, that's really nice of you to say. It really it does mean a lot to hear it. So thank you. Absolutely. We love asking this question to end our interviews. Can you tell us what you have coming up next? I can't. <laughs> I, I maybe could in a couple of weeks, but I can't right now. So okay, All yeah. right. that's fair. That's fair. Are you able to tell us if you're reuniting with someone you've worked with before? Maybe. Okay, we'll take that. <laughs> we'll take it. You know. <laughs> well, best of luck to you in the future, and congratulations once again on the score. As I said, it's a very beautiful, magnificent score. Oh, and thanks. I, thanks for the great questions. I appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interviews with two of the stars from Pixar's Elemental, Leah Lewis and Mamadou Ati, the director Peter Sohn and the producer Denise Reem, followed by my interview with the film's composer Thomas Newman here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Elemental is currently playing in theaters from Walt Disney Studios. 
You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.